UMGoBlue.com. By fans, for fans. Since 1999. Hello, welcome to this edition of the UMGoBlue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with... Clint Derringer. And today we're going to talk about, by the numbers, looking forward to Michigan-Wisconsin. So, Clint, final thoughts on Michigan-Rutgers before we look ahead to the Badgers? Yeah, it was still... It still makes me kind of grind my teeth watching that second half as many times as I've rewatched both offensive and defensive clips, trying to pull out some uh, any additional insight that I can. Still, still kind of creates tension, even though I know what's going to happen. So it was, uh, again, I think Michigan kind of held on and survived. And, uh, you know, sometimes that's, that's what you need to do. And, and we can't really extrapolate much else from that until we see whether it was a uh, kind of a warning sign of of problems to come or if it's a kind of a wake-up call and and flash-in-the-pan moment for for Michigan staff and uh, players to uh, to shore up some of the weaknesses and and you know better prepare for for the rest of the Big Ten season so uh, we'll know more about that Rutgers game actually as we uh, are in the middle of the Wisconsin game. Well, it definitely was a tale of two halves versus Rutgers. Um, Jim Harbaugh was uh, less than excited in talking about the game. And uh, definitely, uh, I think he definitely thought uh, there were some missed opportunities there. You know, we would have you know, liked to accomplish more in the second half there. Um, you know, points, uh, drives, you know, thought uh, – we were close to doing that, but uh, you know, didn't get didn't get that done. And the the, uh, the final thought, and I will reiterate what we said on the recap podcast. I really think Rutgers right now is uh, somewhat underrated, especially on defense. I think uh, their their defensive line uh, can create some problems for for offensive line. I think still think Michigan's offensive line is good. You know, not just above average, but but good and. Uh, there were times that uh, Rutgers defensive linemen just uh, out and out won those one-on-one battles against Michigan's offensive linemen. So uh, th- there's a certain amount of hat tip to Rutgers uh, as a program and, and the job that Greg Schiano's done. Um, but uh, you know, also at the same time, I think that the, there's a lot that can be cleaned up and, and sharpened uh, going into to the second game here. Um, and, and you're going to have to be able to, to sharpen those things because where Wisconsin is strong, um, you know, they're, they're going to cause problems for Michigan in the run game. So Michigan needs to have those counter punches loaded and ready to go in order to be successful this coming weekend. Well, one other thing that Coach Harbaugh talked about was how important the loss of linebacker Josh Ross was. And uh, I mentioned that because – you talked about that in one of your articles. Not having Ross out there, you know, helping them, you know, making making calls and uh, helping them align and uh, you know, giving reminders and, and tips. Uh, you know, there was you know quite a bit of um, you know that uh, was lost without without Josh being out there you know, from a physical standpoint. Also, you know, uh, coaching that other line, inside linebacker up on the field. And, uh, and Josh, you know, I, I, I think he's probable uh, at this point for, for the game. 
So, uh, but good learning experience for those young linebackers. They were stressed um, in that in that read option game, quarterback uh, read option game, and to learn from it and grow. Yeah, I think that that was um, it was more apparent uh, as the as the second half kind of wore on. What Rutgers was doing successfully in the second half on offense was was using a, an, an inverted veer or you know a, a variation of the read option, like what Rich Rodriguez used to run, <clears throat> where instead of reading the end man on the line of scrimmage like a defensive end, they were reading Michigan's linebackers so that no matter what a linebacker, and then that's kind of the the the, the whole point. And those young linebackers, you know, uh, Junior Colson, Kalel Mullings, and uh, Nakai Hill Green, <clears throat> you could tell were kind of stuck in in a gray area where they couldn't really full on attack uh, the run, their run scheme or their run fit, and, and they weren't ready to you know drop back into a pass drop. So so their their feet were kind of anchored there, and they weren't able to. Uh, to really play fast the way that you want your defenders to play fast. And, and that's, you know, the difference that experience makes. Josh Ross is a fifth year senior, two time captain, three year starter. Right? He's seen a lot of football and, and, and seen a lot of these schemes before on film. He's seen them in person and uh, it's going to be hugely valuable for those younger players. But uh, in the moment in that game, I think it was, it was pretty apparent that uh, Rutgers, when they, when they saw that, Michigan had lost Josh Ross. They knew exactly where they were going to attack, and and that's a big difference between, at least for the defense, um, between the first half and the second half. On top of being pretty worn down because uh, Michigan could not sustain any drives. They ran six plays in the third quarter. So the good news is, um, Josh Ross is expected to be back on Saturday versus Wisconsin. So. Looking ahead at the SP Plus, what does it project versus the Badgers, Clint? Uh, the the model today spit out uh, a one-point advantage for Michigan on the road at Wisconsin. I, I think that the score prediction was 24-23, something right in that in that vicinity. And, uh, you know, that's a big deal. It does take home into, uh, into account to some extent, and, and it's adjusted for you know, strength of opponents. So um, being within one point there, you know, either way is, is essentially a coin flip. It's kind of a pick em game. Um, I think the actual spread is Wisconsin minus one right now. So uh, a two-point difference between what SB Plus is saying and what the, uh, what the guys in Vegas are saying at the same time here on Wednesday when we record this. So it's going to be interesting. Definitely as we get – more into the season, um, you know, we, we've seen more from Wisconsin. I'm not sure they were the team that we expected them to be preseason. Definitely more hopeful. You know, if it wasn't for the second half of last week, I would be extremely hopeful. But I'm thinking that Wisconsin is going to break that game tape down. And even with Josh Ross returning, I think that um, you know Rutgers is has shown some things. Wisconsin is more talented than Rutgers, and I think that um, their strong run defense is going to cause Michigan some issues. So it'll be interesting to see exactly 
which team comes out for the Wolverines? Are we going to see the team that we saw the first two possessions against Rutgers that was able to run the ball with authority? And um, same with the defense, basically stymie the uh, stymie Rutgers. What will we see on the road? And again, that's another big factor, a big road test for the Wolverines. They have not played well on the road the last several years. So it'll be interesting to see exactly how they rise to the occasion. It's exciting to you know, have this, this opportunity, this challenge, um, see, see how far our football teams come, um, see if we can win on the road, you know, uh, meet, that, meet that challenge and uh, at, work, at work preparing for it. It'll be, it'll be a big task, no question about it. Embracing, uh, embracing the opportunity. I mean, uh, this football team's been together a long time. I mean, uh, you know, day after day, week after week, for you know, a good nine months now, they put in a ton of training, and I, I think they just want to have at it and, uh, and uh, go out on the field and let let it be let it be judged there. Um, yeah, the underdog, this thing stacked the stacked the stacked up. Uh, bit i mean i think they do embrace embrace the challenge of that yeah absolutely it's uh the challenge that we've discussed you know on a weekly basis for probably the last three years is uh you know making making those key plays in big moments you know and having your your biggest playmakers and your leaders step forward in those at crunch time and uh, that's especially important on the road I think uh, what what we've heard from the coaching staff about getting off to a, a solid and fast start is also very important because you know the, the Wisconsin fan base right now is, is kind of teetering on the edge the way that uh, Michigan's fan base has felt in, in years prior, right? Where you know they're under 500 right now, they had lofty expectations uh, going into the season. They were getting cranked up for a, a, a week one home game against Penn State that, that was kind of an early uh, tone setter for the whole Big Ten season um, and were let down in that game and, and lost to the Nittany Lions at home. Um, their their quarterback, the golden boy, um, that they chose over the, uh, the more veteran uh, game manager style quarterback, right? They chose Graham Mertz over Jack Cohn. And uh, went in that direction. Jack Cohn transfers out to Notre Dame and is now their starter, and uh, comes back to uh, you know to beat them <laughs> with the Irish uh, this past week. So the Wisconsin fans have a pretty pretty bad taste in their mouth right now. Um, it, it's 11 a.m. local time there in Madison for the start of this game. So if Michigan can get off to a fast start, I think you could really you really got an opportunity to take that crowd right out of it. And maybe even they turn a little bit on the Badgers, if uh, if you can really create some bad negative plays um, for Wisconsin and, and force Mertz into some bad decisions and maybe get some early turnovers. You know he's been he's been turning the ball over at a rate that is just you can't be successful with how frequently he's he's throwing interceptions right now for those guys. So it's interesting that I think that Wisconsin by playing an early game is kind of giving up some of the advantage they could have. Their fans aren't going to have all day to get riled up and rowdy. Um, Although Wisconsin always does have a reputation of having uh, supportive fans. What's going to be interesting is that 
you know, Wisconsin has one of the, you know, statistically one of the best defenses in the country, currently ranked second. It's going to be interesting to see exactly what they can, what they can dial up. You know, their problem has been on offense. Their defense has been stout, and, you know, they have the roadmap that uh, Rutgers has thrown down. So I think you're right. I think it's going to be really important for Michigan to get out early and, uh, with Wisconsin teetering on uh, uh, having a lot of doubt right now, an early start by the Wolverines could be enough to push them over the edge. Yeah, and that that's the way to do that. There's there's a couple different things that um, I put into my my preview article that I think they'll be focusing on. And number one is being efficient uh, on offense. You're not going to get, in my opinion, if, if Wisconsin's playing well, like they normally do on defense, you're not going to get a lot of opportunities, right? And that's, that's kind of on a per play basis and on a, on a per drive basis. So when you do get the ball across Wisconsin's 40, which is what, you know, SP plus and what we use as a, what we call a scoring opportunity, you get a first down inside the opponent's 40 yard line. That's what we look points per scoring opportunity right? the opportunities be cashed in for touchdowns um, it, against Rutgers after having the ball first and 10 from uh, Rutgers 39 after the uh, the punt return in the third quarter AJ Henning so you, you just cannot afford not only settling for field goals but but you can't have uh, scoreless trips inside the 40 against uh, Wisconsin's defense because you're not going to get that many opportunities. You have to maximize them. And then on a per play basis, the metric that we use to see how efficient you are with your successful plays is what um, we label ISO PPP or points per play, right? The ISO part of that metric mean only on successful plays. So, so basically the question that that metric answers is when you had a successful play, how explosive was it? So so not taking all of your negative plays into consideration, but only on the successful plays, how how many big plays did you make? And that's where the, the challenge falls to Josh Gaddis to really scheme up one or two big plays, similar to what we saw in week one over the top to Ronnie Bell, what we saw in week three over the top to Cornelius Johnson, what we saw in the first half against Rutgers on some of those RPOs to Mike Sainer still and uh, Roman Wilson across the middle, right? But, but using the passing game to, to really make some explosive plays and get some chunk yards and, and get into scoring opportunities and then, and then really using Blake Corum and, and Hassan Haskins in the run game to pound it all the way into the end zone. That's, that's the key. If Michigan can do that, um, probably two or three times, right? If they can score in the 20s, then I, I they have a really good chance of winning this game. I, I don't think either team is going to get uh, to 30 points. So if uh, the first one to hit 24 in this game, I think is going to end up winning. So, Clint, there's a lot of angst in the Wolverine fandom about quarterback um, Cade McNamara. How would you rate his performance through uh, Michigan's 4-0 and start? Well, the, if I was trying to take all of the four games and, and put it together and summarize, I would say inconsistent first, right? He's been 
he's been very high and very efficient at times, and he's been uh, significantly off and inaccurate and inefficient at times. Um, there, there's a lot of reasons for that, for sure. Uh, a lot of opportunities to clean up. Um, but, but I would say inconsistent right now. So what, what Michigan needs out of uh, Cade is, uh, number one, more consistency. You don't want to have you don't want to have as deep a valley in his performance as what we're getting right now. The, the second half uh, against Rutgers, and really after that hit where uh, the Rutgers nose guard was ejected for targeting, he really seemed to be inaccurate after that in, in that he just didn't seem comfortable in the pocket and really stepping into throws the same way that he, he was with confidence and authority before that point. So, um, if he when he's throwing the ball with confidence and, and pre-snap reads and uh, he's right and, and he trusts his eyes and trusts his arm, he throws the ball very well. So where he needs to improve is in his decision-making when the number one option uh, that he has in his mind pre-snap isn't there. I, I think when he has to go from option one to option two, he, uh, he's a little bit slow on the trigger, and uh, his mechanics break down um, pretty clearly after he's not comfortable with that second read. And again, that's something that comes with, with repetition, both in practice and in games. Uh, we got to find a middle ground here where, where Cade is allowed to get, get into it and uh, throw his way out of some problems that we've seen. Um, but also, you know, the, the whole team has to play complementary football and enable uh, the offense and the offensive coordinator to be able to call those pass plays um, and take some of those risks uh, without, you know, without really hamstringing the, the, the defense um, and risking, you know, giving up points. So if he continues to uh, make good first reads, I, I have a hundred percent confidence that he does that. Well, the best defense are going to scheme that away from him. So what we need to see him improve on is being able to get to the second read and still throw with confidence and get it out on time and not let his feet get too happy and start bouncing around where he can't see his target clearly. So uh, we'll know, you know, we'll, we'll see a clear difference. If, if he's coming off his first read and making a good throw to the second read, then you can tell that they've focused and improved on that uh, in practice because that's, the most clear breakdown that I can see right now. So one thing that didn't impact his performance versus Rutgers was the weather. Um, there had been rain showers all week in the run-up to that game and even forecast on Saturday for rain, and the conditions were pretty miserable in the morning, but by the time the game happened, uh, it was actually a pretty nice day. The forecast for Madison is going to be rain showers. So it'll be interesting to see how much that impacts his performance. So, Clint, another thing that um, we were wondering coming into this season was Josh Gaddis and the team had talked about wanting to run more. We definitely saw that in the first several games and even the first couple possessions of the Rutgers game. Do you think that the offense is significantly different this season in what it wants to do. You know, there's a lot of talk in the last couple of seasons about speed and space. Do you think that the offense has changed significantly 
And um, do you think that if there was a change in quarterback, that the uh, that we'd see a different uh, wrinkle in the offense than what we've seen so far? Mm. So the, let's do the first question first. Do I think this is a different offense than what we've seen in 2020 and 2019 under Josh Gaddis? No, I think this is very, very similar concepts in the run game. Um, sometimes it's a, a kind of a sweep or, or a pin and pull concept where the first lineman is trying to hook the end and uh, the second lineman's going around the corner and, and leading. That's kind of an outside play. Uh, they're also running power, right, w- which is kind of the classic football play, Jim Harbaugh staple, the backside guard, and, and different uh, positions kind of kicking out the end instead of hooking the end. So these concepts are very much uh, similar to what Michigan's been successful with in the past. I think, and we talked about this before, I think that they uh, are blocking and executing better um, on a play-to-play basis from down to down than they did in the past. Fewer missed assignments from the uh, the offensive linemen um, until that second half against Rutgers where a lot of those uh, defensive line stunts uh, causing some problems and confusion. And, uh, and there were guys that were free in the hole meeting the running back at one or two yards deep. So um, the offensive line had their first kind of setback, and, and it'll be interesting to see how they bounce back. But in terms of different, I don't think so. I think it is, is pretty similar. Um, running backs, you know, Corum is a little bit more explosive than any of the backs we've seen the last couple of years. Hassan Haskins is a, a year older, a year smarter, and, and still is running very strong in between the tackles. So it's a little bit better, but I don't think that it's different. Um, your second question about uh, whether J.J. McCarthy coming in would add a wrinkle, and um, it, it does. It, there are two significant differences, I think, that J.J. McCarthy would bring if, if he were to come into the game. Number one is he's... He's been more athletic um, running the ball on a lot of those inside run concepts when he has uh, read the read the defensive end and kept it and, and run. He, he looks more explosive running the ball. It's clear that he's a little bit uh, faster and more explosive with his feet than, than Kate is. So I think that the element of quarterback run game um, becomes a threat if, uh, if McCarthy's uh, that's the first and, and probably the most important thing that would be added. Um, the second part of it is, again, the the, the stronger arm, the, the the arm talent, you know, so to speak, would um, would allow you to take a few more chances uh, and hit some windows, you know, maybe on, on deeper outs or or deeper uh, dig routes or roll the pocket, you know, one direction or the other. If you're having trouble protecting, right, his athleticism and his ability to get outside the pocket and, and kind of create is probably a, a little bit better than what you would have, you know, in terms of a ceiling of, of creativity with Cade McNamara. But with all of that said, um, the most important thing, the most important statistic right now, and, and probably the biggest difference between Michigan at 4 and 0 and Wisconsin at 1 and 2 is. Uh, Wisconsin's turning the ball over, and Graham Mertz is making some, some poor decisions and, and trying to force the ball into some 
some tight windows as, as kind of a gunslinger, young gun kind of a, a, a character. And, and he's turning the ball over and, and costing his team's scoring opportunities. So um, that's the risk that you would be that you would be posing if, if you were to try to make that switch um, to to the freshman um, because of the arm talent, because of the athleticism. Uh, there are there are definitely definitely positives to be gained, but there's a huge risk to bringing in a freshman, especially on the road, to to try to lead your team. Uh, in a hostile environment, I think it is still prudent, and, and I still think Cade McNamara gives you the best chance to win the game because of some of the other tangibles and leadership in the huddle, um, and at least having been through these uh, road games and, and starting in the Big Ten previously. So I think that's a big deal. And the last point on, on the quarterback conversation is remember it was Wisconsin that that may have triggered the the whole domino effect of, of Dylan McCaffrey not being at Michigan anymore. He takes a couple hard hits, especially to the head, against Wisconsin, and uh, in my mind, it is never quite the same player again when we see him, and uh, it, it never starts uh, a game after that um, when he took those hits and, and targeting uh, calls against Wisconsin. So you certainly don't want to see that same uh, thing happen to, to J.J. McCarthy. You, you don't want the, the whole future uh, coming in so that you can gain seven or eight yards on a, on a potential read option run and, uh, and see him get, you know, get banged around on the outside there uh, repeatedly. And, and you're risking too much, in my opinion, for, for the somewhat limited upside uh, that he would bring to this one game. I think you made a great point about that Cade needs the opportunity to throw more passes to kind of work his issues out, right? Um, I think one of the issues that he's had is the fewer passes you throw, the more pressure there is on every play, right? And as much as the team uh, and Cade says that, you know, they ignore what the media says and what the fans are saying, I think it has had an impact. You could see that he was physically unhappy after after the game, and his comments, even in the media availability this week, um, he was he was pretty stern. So I think that we are going to see that focus. We're going to see a very focused and very locked on Cade McNamara against Wisconsin. And you know the other thing that you know taking the fifty thousand foot view. I just can't imagine Wisconsin at one and three, right? And you have to look at every game individually, but I got to believe that this is a this is an inflection point for their season. If they go one and three, um, losing to Michigan, huge home game, uh, they could just slide through the rest of this year. So I think we're going to see their best effort. And you know the thing that. I don't want to say I enjoyed about the second half versus Rutgers, but I guess uh, the thing that kind of satisfied me is, you know, we were talking at halftime and I had posed the question, how will this team um, respond to adversity and unexpected adversity, right? Heading into that second half, all indications were Michigan was going to 
you know, roll over Grutgers, they were probably another score away from possibly ending that game, right? Just knocking Rutgers completely out. And Rutgers went in at the half. Josh Ross left the game. And uh, they went in and made some tweaks and made some adjustments and really put a scare into not only the the fans, but uh, I think anybody watching it on TV um, saw Rutgers really, um, you know, basically toughen up and definitely threatened to win that game and would have caused huge angst. You know, if we always, I always say that I'd rather uh, explain a tough win than uh, deal with a, a tough loss. Well, uh, you know, looking at the angst that we have after beating Rutgers 20 to 13, I couldn't imagine if, if the team had lost. So I'm hoping that that kind of unexpected uh, test in the second half uh, is helping the you know the team focus and basically show its resiliency because you know last season Michigan State came out and played them real tough at home and I don't think anyone expected that and and came away with the victory and that really put Michigan into a tailspin that they really never recovered for the rest of the season so I you know looking at the Rutgers game I think that it was a it was good that they had a test and it was good that they won. Yeah, yep, I agree with that. I think uh, another example of uh, facing adversity and then coming out stronger for it from the past is um, in 2019, in the middle of the season, I think it was week six, uh, Michigan played at Illinois, got out to a fast start, and then all of a sudden Illinois started making it tougher on Michigan than than expected, and they kind of fought through that and, and won an ugly game. It was kind of had a similar feel. Um, the 2019 game against Army at home uh, also felt that way. Where man, it, it, it feels like a, a total rock fight uh, through that through that whole game. Um, and then they went to Happy Valley in 2019 and got off to a really bad start. Fell down, I think, 21 to nothing, and fought back um, in you know starting in the second quarter and into the second half of that game and really fought back and learned some things about themselves and learned some things about the leaders that they had in the huddle and in the locker room and on the field. And, and then really went on a run in the second half of that 2019 season, uh, all the way up until, uh, you know, the Buckeyes came into town. So um, if Michigan was able to kind of not just look at the game film and the X's and O's of, of what there is to learn, but really kind of self-scout and, and, and self-evaluate and, and, and understand where they were breaking down in their psyche and, and, in, the, uh, and in the whole flow of the game and, and where the leaders need to identify problems early and, and when they're small problems and not let them become big problems and, and lead by example and, and, and hold each other accountable and all of those type of coach-speak things that happen uh, between the lines that, that we aren't privy to as fans or, or as media members. So um, if they can really strengthen those intangibles and, and communicate better and, and, and do what needs to be done, especially early in this game at Camp Randall, then they, they should have a great opportunity to win the game. I, I think that it's going to end up being close, but really if one team gets off to a really, really bad start, 
um, it, it really could roll either direction. You could really see either team, um, you know, getting on a roll and, and blowing the other team out. It, it, it could happen, you know, to either of these teams. So it, to me, the first and the second quarter, really, really huge to get off to a good start, set the tone, and and really make that other team start to wonder whether they you know, whether they're any good or not. Heading into this season, my prediction was that Michigan was going to lose this game by a score of thirty-eight to twenty-seven, and partially from what we've seen from Michigan. But more importantly, what we've seen from Wisconsin, um, you know, Michigan has not beat Wisconsin in Madison since 2001. I mean, that's that's 20 years. I think this is the year that they get the Badger off their back. And I think, I agree with you, I think it's going to be a really tight game. But I think Michigan's going to do it. Preseason, I predicted a 38-27 to 27 loss. Um now I'm going to predict a 28 to 17 win for Michigan. Yeah, that would that would be I would take that in a heartbeat for sure. My my preseason article, um, I had Wisconsin winning by six. I had Wisconsin 30, Michigan 24. I still thought that Michigan would be working through some kinks on their defensive install uh, early in the season and, and expected. Wisconsin's running game to to really continue to cause problems for Michigan as it has the last couple seasons. Um, a couple things are different about Wisconsin, right? The, they they threw the ball forty two times, I think, against uh, um, Notre Dame last week. You know, despite despite Graham Mertz throwing you know four interceptions, you know he threw the ball forty something times, almost as many times as Cade McNamara has thrown on the whole season. So. So in the preseason, I thought that we were going to see classic Wisconsin run game and cause problem for a defense that was still figuring itself out, and that that's really not what we're seeing. Paul Christ is really putting the ball in the hands of Graham Mertz in the passing game, and kind of living or dying with with how well his, uh, his young quarterback is playing. And to this point, Graham Mertz has not not played well, so uh, that's a big difference, of course. Uh, Michigan's defense, of course, is, is playing better even than I expected. But also, when I when I saw that SP Plus had Michigan's defense number ten in preseason, it's like, well, you know, that's all, you know, not really recognizing all the change that happened, and they'll probably crash after a few bad performances. Well, they've climbed from tenth to eighth, uh, even as the preseason stuff is kind of coming out of the SP Plus model. So. Rutgers found, uh, you know, something they were comfortable with gaining yards. That team still, you know, that that defensive unit for Michigan still really did, you know, bow up to use the the phrase that they were in, using in the post game presser and, and stop uh, Rutgers from scoring points in the red zone. And, and as much as Michigan has to be efficient in those scoring opportunities, they've been really stingy on defense and not letting teams really drive it all the way to the end zone. So. I really think that if, if things continue the way that we've seen through the first four weeks of the season, then Michigan will win. I, I'm not confident that things are going to continue the way that we've seen. I, I think I think Paul Christ is going to wake up and realize that he needs to, to just eliminate mistakes first and foremost. 
Um, and he's going to take the ball out of Graham Mertz's hands. Uh, and I think this may turn into kind of an old-style Big Ten uh, battle of the punters for a little bit. And, and that's kind of what the Penn State game was. That was 0-0 at halftime with Wisconsin. Uh, I think Notre Dame was 10-10 to late in the third quarter, right? And I think that eventually Paul Christ uh, got impatient and started trying to, to push the ball down the field with Mertz, and, and he broke. And I think he's going to eliminate that mistake. So I still have to see Michigan play a full 60-minute performance, get off to a good start, finish the whole game, play all four quarters on the road before I can predict it to happen against uh, a team that's you know as high as number 11 in the SP+. Plus. So I, I did reduce the margin, but I still think Wisconsin's going to win a close one. I, I changed it to Wisconsin 20, Michigan 17. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the UMGoBlue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with Clint Derringer. Go Blue. Thank you for listening to the UMGoBlue.com podcast. All rights reserved. Search for UMGoBlue.com on iTunes. Go Blue.